Micah 6.8, we sang actually these verses this morning, if you remember back about 15 minutes. Uh, the Lord has told you what is good. Think about that for a minute. The Lord has told you what is good. He's not hiding it. And this is what he requires of you. To act justly, to love mercy, uh, and to walk humbly with him, with your God. Uh, that's what Micah 6.8 says. Now, many of us know that verse. We've, we've heard it time and time again. Uh, as a church, we are talking about what does it mean to live out this verse as God's people? What does it mean to, to act justly, to seek out justice throughout the earth and to be people who stand for justice? What does it mean to love mercy? Uh, and, and that involves uh, forgiving people when they, when, they, when they harm us. It means always seeking mercy in situations where, uh, where uh, maybe mercy isn't happening. And in those moments, understanding that because God has, has forgiven uh, us of so much, it is also our, our, our delight to practice forgiveness with other people, loving mercy in every situation. And then really the beginning of it, the verse is almost, um, is almost uh, starting at the top and working to the bottom, but we need to start at the foundation of it all, walking humbly with your God. What does that mean, to walk humbly uh, with God? To understand who we are, to understand who he is. And this morning, as we have even sung uh, together, uh, the, the songs have been designed to actually try to get us there in, in our collective singing so that we can look uh, at this verse. And we're going to spend some time on that. The, the dailies that are Monday through Friday, and you go, if you go to our website, we have 15 minutes every morning, Monday through Friday, are also going to be talking about this verse. We're going to take a week on, on justice. We're going to take a week on loving mercy. We're going to take a week on walking humbly. And when you meet as your house churches, uh, your, your, your time together and the, the questions that you have will be focusing on this verse. But uh, before we, we get too far into it, I want to back up and just give you the context of this verse, all right? Because the context is actually this. The Lord is, is, uh, is creating a courtroom scene. He's creating a courtroom scene between himself and the nation of Israel who have forgotten really what this means. And so God is having to remind them of that. And it begins saying, listen to what the Lord is saying. This is God speaking to the nation. Stand up and state your case against me. Now, isn't that interesting? God is saying, actually, if we're in court and you have something against me, you need to state it. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to let the mountains and the hills, my creation, be witness to your complaints against me. I'm going to gather everything that I've created, and they're going to be uh, watching as you bring any complaints you have against me. Because the people had kind of lost track of God. And they had begun to do a number of things and stand on their own in ways in which God said, you're not with me anymore. And so if you're complaining about what I call you to, I'm going to call my creation and see what they say. Let the mountains and hills be called to witness that. And now, O oh mountains and hills, while you're doing that, I have a case against you. I have a case against my people. And I'm going to bring charges against Israel. And so that's the context. And then this is what he says. The Lord says, oh, my people, what have I done to you? What have I done to make you tired of me? Why, why have you forgotten me? Please answer me, the Lord is saying. Answer me. And then he reminds them of things that he's done. And, and if you've read the Old Testament at all, these are things that uh, when, the, when the, 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 the Hebrew people came out of Egypt and God brought them into Palestine, which was the land that he promised, he says this. He says, I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. I sent Moses and Aaron and Miriam to help you, the leaders that you needed. And then don't you remember how King Balak of Moab tried to have you cursed? And if you go back into the scriptures and you read that story, it's about when they were entering into this promised land, about to enter in, there was a king there that 
that they had to, to get out of the way to get into this land. And, and he wanted the curses to be brought down upon them. And so he called a man uh, named Balaam, a son of Beor, to, draw, to throw curses upon the nation of Israel. Uh, and instead of throwing curses on them, when he opened his mouth, God forced him to actually uh, pr pronounce blessing on them. And this happened three times. Uh, and, uh, and God is saying, do you remember that? Do you remember back in your history how I was with you in such a way? Do you remember your journey from Acacia Grove to Gilgal? And that was when they crossed the Jordan River. And when they crossed the Jordan into this new land, just before that, uh, the, uh, the, the story of Jericho and overthrowing this city, which was their first battle in moving into this new land, uh, the Bible says that God stopped the flow of the Jordan and they actually walked through on dry land. And then they went back and got some rocks, big boulders, out of the, the 12 of them, uh, one for each tribe, out of the bottom of the river. And then they made an altar at Gilgal to remember this event. He says, do you remember that? Do you remember how I taught you about my faithfulness? This is what the Lord says. And then to go back to the, to the courtroom scene, it says, you say, okay, based on that, what can we bring to the Lord then? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with, with offerings of yearly calves? Should we bring him our livestock? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers uh, of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn child even to pay for our sins? What, what do we have to do then to please the Lord? That's what you say. God, what do I have to do? And that's when the Lord says, no, no, oh people, that's not what I'm asking for. Here's what I'm asking for. The Lord has told you what is good. This is what the Lord requires of you, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. It's pretty simple, isn't it, actually? Uh, simple when we read it. It's hard to do. Now, we live in an, another covenant, and, and this morning we've also been singing about the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been singing about God sending his Son incarnate to the world to, 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 to show us who he is and then to die for us because acting justly, loving mercy, walking humbly does not come naturally to the human race. It is simply not natural for us to walk humbly. We tend to walk pridefully. And even in our culture, it's about walking and holding your head up and making something of yourself and standing on your own two feet. And yet God says, I want you to walk humbly with me. And when you walk humbly with me, that is when everything that you actually uh, can be and will be is found when you walk humbly in me and with me. Walk humbly with your God, not by yourself, with your God. Uh, it's to love mercy. When you walk humbly with me and realize that you have been forgiven of, of everything that you have done wrong, it becomes then possible to love mercy, to actually absolutely just love the fact that mercy has been visited upon you, and so now you get to bring mercy into the lives of other people. And then finally, to act justly, to seek justice in the world. And so when we see injustice happening, we say, no, no, no. That's not how the world has been created. The world has been created for justice and for mercy within the justice to create that justice and then humility in all things so that as we walk in such a way, um, the Lord is seen. He is seen in all these things. Now, how do we do that in a practical way? Because we all face every day situations of, of, uh, of walking humbly, uh, of loving mercy, you will face a situation where you were probably called on this week to practice mercy with someone else. And then finally, how do we act justly 
uh, as individuals, as people who live in this valley, as Canadians, how do we then act justly within our world? Uh, this morning, uh, I want to call up actually Kathy, Peter, Kathy Peters, Kathy Benstead. I was talking with Kathy Peters last week. Kathy Benstead, uh, where is Kathy? Come on up, Kathy. I'm going to get a stool for you and me. Uh, and Kathy and I are going to have um, a little conversation that we invite you into. She's going to actually have a conversation with you a little bit about uh, her life. You got that thing on there? Is it going to fall off? Okay. And I've invited Kathy here as an introduction to, um, to just talk a little bit about, Kathy, how, how you have d- discovered what it means to walk humbly with God in your profession uh, and in your life, and how that then translates into loving mercy and acting justly uh, within our world. So everyone, this is Kathy. Say good morning to Kathy. Kathy. Uh, Kathy, we were talking before the service. Kathy actually and her husband Gord and their family began coming to New Life before New Life even was here. They began out of the church in Shimanus 33 years ago. ago. Uh, Before any of this was was really here, Kathy and Gord are are amongst the founders of this congregation. And I I think that's worth just a wonderful thank you and God bless you for your faithfulness there alone. Uh, Yes, so thank you for that. Tell us a bit about yourself, though, and about your life, and about how you found yourself to be actually a a public school teacher. Well, thank you for inviting me to share my passion, my work, and my ministry. And I would like to say, Good day, my respected friends, and I'd like to acknowledge that we have gathered here on the traditional unceded territory of the Halkaminam-speaking people, more specifically the Kawitsin Nation. Um, Like you said, I've moved here. Um, Gordon and I moved from the prairies. We started in Chimenez, and we moved here, and uh, I was in the banking industry for years, and then uh, I always had a dream. I wanted to be a teacher, always. So at 38, I went back to university and graduated at 43, and 18 years later, here I am. And I used to have these lofty ideas, these dreams and these visions of what kind of teacher I would like to be and what my classroom would be like and all those tricks in the trades, I've got it, I've got those stickers and all those things you need to gain attention. Um, Wrapped up, perfect, tidy and neat. But what I didn't know that God was preparing me for something much more than that, something greater, something powerful, something life-changing. Something where every day I would be challenged and asked to love more, to do more, and to learn more. And John 9, 6 is about how Jesus put the mud on the blind man's eyes. And he told him to go wash and his sight was restored. For me, that verse is important. Because as God in his preparation for me as a teacher, removed the mud from my eyes that I could see the real need of the Cowichan people, He softened my heart, and he gave me the strength to stand up for mercy and justice. So, for the last 14 years, I've taught in a public school here in Duncan, where we have a diverse population, where many of our students and our families suffer and struggle daily with poverty. They endure trauma, continue to endure trauma, and violence, often family conflict. And I didn't realize that here in our community, in Cowichan, that I would be challenged with looking at that level of suffering every day and how to go about that as a teacher. But I knew that God has placed me at this school to be the light, to walk humbly, show compassion, mercy, and love for those that need it. 
Has that been easy? Absolutely not. It has taken those 14 years to develop deep trust and deep relationships with students and families within the community. It has been a journey of listening, of learning, of respecting. No judgment, no blame, simply living and working together with our Cowichan people to begin a relationship of trust and friendship. It's what God calls us to do. My day might look like this, helping students feel safe and secure after a restless night, wrapping them up in a blanket, giving them a pillow, and they sleep behind my desk or out on the carpet. Providing students with breakfast and lunch who arrive hungry because they haven't eaten since they left us the previous day. Finding warm clothing for students who come to school with no jacket, no mitts, no boots when the weather's cold. Securing school supplies and backpacks so they can be just like their peers on an even playing field. Listening to students and families as they struggle with loss and face adversity. Advocating on their behalf to secure such basic services as heat and housing. And the stories are real and they're heartbreaking and they're heart-wrenching. But I would not be able to be part of this ministry without the love of the Lord our God has placed in my heart, the compassion that he has stirred within my soul, and how he has taught me to walk in humility. That has not been easy. But he's done this so I can develop those important relationships within this community. And I was saying an example of this was this summer, um, a family mom in my class messaged me, and she said, just want you to know uh, our housing complex burned. Uh, down. We have no, no place. I'm in Vancouver. My, uh, I think he was five at the time. He's turned six. My five-year-old's in children's uh, medically induced coma with burns uh, to his hands, his face, his back. Um, she goes, but it's okay. She said, but I, because of that relationship, she said, I just want you to pray. And they literally had nothing. Pajamas, barefoot, that's all they have. And she didn't ask me for anything else, just to pray. And it's from years of that relationship, of cultivating that, of walking in humility, um, that we were able to uh, respond with that. So Isaiah 1-7 says, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, and plead the case of the widow. So then, what does that look like for our church community, for New Life? How do we develop those relationships? Proverbs 31, 8, 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. God commands us to love our neighbor, that we have a responsibility to share with what we have and get to know them. A new life, our neighbors are right across the street from this parking lot, and it's such a rich opportunity for us. Unfortunately, at New Life, we have people who have already begun that good work. Michelle and her team at Kids Zone on the Road, Jump Start, Friday morning cooking classes, emergency response to our community for fires and floods, needs and extras, the Lord's Pantry, and the unseen work of many individuals, many of you who, who work in this area. The march on the August long weekend with the Penelicate, Halalt, Lyaxon, and Stamimus. But there is much more work to do. 
So how can we deepen our relationship and understanding that new life continues to be a light in this community? Micah 6, 8, what does the Lord require of us, of you, to act justly, to love mercy, walk humbly with your God in this? Get to know our First Nations neighbors. Greet that person that you see in town, your cashier, your service rep. Say hello. Try Halkamina. Learn about September 30th, our new federal holiday, Orange Shirt Day, we call it at school. Monique Gray Smith, an Indigenous author, says understanding reconciliation and relationships is like preparing for a journey towards understanding what it means. Now, normally, if we were to go on vacation pre-COVID, we'd pack that suitcase of all the things we need. To develop that relationship means we need to have a willingness to listen and a meaningful conversation, to have a curiosity and an openness and ability to reflect on such things. She speaks about bridge building and how it's a beautiful opportunity for profound change, which is not going to be easy. But our work is to build bridges, and that's the beauty of reconciliation, recovery, relationships. That's an ongoing journey as we continue to grow, heal, and learn and find our way as a community. Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 1 Peter 3.8. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Amen, Kathy. Thank you. Kathy, in, in terms of, uh, you've, you've laid it out so well, and, and one of the things uh, that we have such an opportunity for here in the Cowichan Valley is, is that we live amongst the people who there is there's so much need, and, mm -hmm. and it is our opportunity to give generously of our lives. Uh, you know, our third value here at, at New Life, we have three values. Our third value is that generosity distributes God's resources. Um, how do you... How do you do that in a way that, 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 that just brings a delight uh, to people? I mean, maybe share a story or two just with, uh, with, with, with a child. I know that, for instance, you've told me that when summer comes, you actually have children that, that say, can I go live with you for the summer? Because they, they just love you in such a way. So obviously you were doing that. But you also mentioned, you know, you've had students that are now adults and are having children of their own who come mm -hmm. back to you because they remember you. Uh, are there any, any tips that you can, you can provide for us beyond what you've already given this morning? Well, I think um, Andrew in his... Uh Daily talked about the kindness and the compassion of the teacher who helped you. And I think of Mark at Coheman and all the other teachers in our schools that we have. Um, relationship um, is key. What else can we do? Get to know your school. It's the heart of your community. Um, COVID presents an awkward little situation, but uh, there are certainly ways that you can help your local school, our local schools. Um, you can volunteer, you can um, ask your school, how can we help? We have this wealth, how can we help? Um, I like Coheman and some other schools. We serve breakfast, snack, and lunch for our students. Um, and fortunately, we have some partnerships with Nourish Couch that enable us to do that. But um, we do have students who arrive very hungry um, after weekends. And uh, it's heartbreaking, but they know School is that safe and secure place. It's that steady place. 
Um, the relationships that we are able as teachers to build with students is phenomenal, where students feel safe that way, and therefore then comes the relationships of the families. Quite often, teachers are put in um, at our schools and other schools, uh, places where we have a, an amazing opportunity to minister not only to students, but also to families in terms of how can we help. And just that recent fire um, enabled our school community to come together and rally and um, our teaching teachers at our school uh, don't give it a second thought to just say, okay, how can we help this family? Let's get money sent, let's get food sent, let's get some clothing, all that. There's ample opportunities, but as a community, uh, get to know your local school, ask how you can help. And there are people in, in every school, doesn't matter whether they're, they're Aboriginal or not, who are struggling uh, big time. Right. But, uh, but we especially can, can see that every day as we, as we drive around. The school that you serve at, we can walk there in 10 minutes mm -hmm. from here. It's not that far away. And uh, so, I mean, thank you for sharing that. I, the, the thing that strikes me most is this is a relationship being built, mm -hmm. isn't it? Uh, as a teacher, you, you build these relationships. And God has called us to build relationships with the people in our lives. And so as... As we pray this morning, we're going to close in prayer for our, for our, our, our teachers, for yourself and our other teachers this morning. Um, let's, let's also pray that God would lead us into a place where we have a relationship with someone that we can provide just the generosity of our life. Um, it's one thing to, to, um, to give because people are in need in terms of our wealth. It's another thing to give. And this is where I think the, the difference uh, happens as I've got to know you, Kathy. There's one thing to give in terms of wealth. It's another thing to give in terms of myself. To give not just my money, but to give m myself, my time, um, my prayer, um, my friendship in, in, in such a way. And that's the difference, I think, between helping someone up and walking with someone as someone that's in a relationship with them. So thanks for that this morning. If you want to talk to Kathy afterwards, I know that she would love to have some conversation with you. But uh, for those of you, I'm going to put somebody in the spot. If you're a teacher here this morning, public school, private school, doesn't matter. Would you stand for a minute? please. I'd want, like you to stand. I know that there are several of you here. All right. Yep. Around here. Okay, good. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Stay standing. Um, stand up again because we want to pray for you, okay? Just stand, all right, if you would. Um, Yes, we appreciate you, but you need our prayers this morning. I, I could pick on a whole bunch of other people here today. I could talk about first responders. We could talk about people in the medical system. We could talk about people in, in every, every area. You can be working uh, retail in stores. You can be working uh, at, at the mill. You can be wherever you are, and you are still being called upon to be generous with your life, to uh, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. But today, we just want to pray for our, our teachers today, so let's do that. Father, as a school year begins again... Uh, Lord, we are thankful for people who love you and love children and love education uh, and understand that uh, you have called them, yes, to provide education, but education happens within a relationship between the teacher and the student in a way that years and years and years go by. And we may not remember what we learned, although we did learn, but we remember the person that taught us. Lord, that is where... Uh, these people are, are called. They provide good education, the, the skill of knowing and of understanding and of learning. But beyond that, Lord, the joy of a relationship, where years from now a child will remember the name of this teacher and what they were like and who they were because there was something about them that was different. 
uh, and that something was you, the Holy Spirit working in their life because you are their Lord, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would give them skill. We pray that you would give them a great joy and a purpose. We pray, Lord, on those days where they wonder why they're why they're, they're in the classroom because it's a hard day that, Lord, you would fill them with determination and with courage and with compassion. And that, Father, they would walk humbly with you. They would love mercy and they would seek justice for their students. And as a church, Lord, we pray the same. That this morning, if we leave this place on our lips, we would hear this verse. This is what I require of you. You know this. I have told you this. To walk with me humbly to love mercy, and to act justly. Father, as we go today, may that thought be on our minds and on our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name.